Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Don't you hate it when somebody does a job halfway? Or they don't do it all the way. They don't do it right. That just burns me up to no end. I used to work around a bunch of guys at my former job. They would cut corners. And when you cut corners, it costs more time and it costs more work to fix what somebody tried to do fast, right? And it would be less time if they would just put in the extra energy and thought to do the job right in the first place. It may take a little longer to do it right, but I'd rather do it right than quick and, and wrong. So today we're going to see Ezra do this very same thing. He's going to have this God focus, organize his priorities right. He's going to spend more time doing the job right than just pulling a rush job. Okay, Ezra, verse 8, verses 1 through 14. These are the head. I am not reading all these names. You look at that, okay? I cannot do it. I'm not going to try. I'll leave that to you. It's a bunch of people because I am not going to read this. But if you read it, it's a lot of people, okay? There's your summary of 1 through 14. Lots of folks. That's all I'm doing with that. I am really going to struggle trying to get through that. And you know how I am with Hebrew names. But let me just tell you what these 14 verses of people are. It's the major heads of families that return to Jerusalem. And if you include their women and their children, it would be an big, even bigger number than that. In the Bible, when they made lists of people, they usually listed the heads of households. And you were to assume they had a wife and some children under that, okay? So the number probably would have come out to around maybe four to 5,000 people, possibly in that range, if you looked at all these people here that's going to come back with Ezra. Now, there had already been a first return of people in the land. They came to do a lot of the rebuild work. But now we have Ezra. He's going to return with a priestly line. He's going to bring the, a lot of the priesthood back because these people need to hear about God's law. They need to hear God's word. Never get to a place in your life where you think you don't need to hear God's word anymore. You always have to hear it. It's, it's an absolute mandatory necessity to walk right with God. Uh, there's a lot of people saying that you don't need to read the word of God. Just say, Jesus, Lord, abracadabra, you're good, and you don't have to do another thing. Well, good night. If your life is not changed, I don't really buy it that you got saved. Jesus will change you. Jesus is the word of God. You're going to love the word of God because he is the word of God, okay? So you've got to be hearing, and that's what Ezra's going to be putting into the people when they go back, is the word of God. Ezra 8 through 15, look, we already went through 14 verses so fast. Man, we're going to be done in five minutes. Ha! <laughs> you are laughing. Now I gathered them by the river that flows to Ahava, and we camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priests and found none of the sons of Levi there. Okay, you listen to his tone. He's not happy about this. We're the Levite guys. None of the sons of Levi. So he got his group ready to depart to go back. It's kind of like we're at the airport, you know. 
But where where are the Levi guys? Where are they at? I don't see them. Now, the Levites, they were specifically the tribe that was chosen to do the priestly duties of the temple. It's important to have sons of Levi there. Now, they were also teachers of the law. So they had their role in Jerusalem was very, very important because the people would really need to understand the law when they got back to the land. So the Levites are hugely important here. So we do see that Ezra had some priests there with him. So that means some Levites had to be there because only Levites could be priests. This doesn't mean there are no Levites at all. It says he had some priests. But he, when he saw none of the sons of Levi there, that means he found no ordinary Levites. Just You can be a Levite, and that doesn't mean you have to be a priest. But he needs Levites there. They were there to assist the priests. And it was better for them to be in the, in the uh, temple. Because remember, the Levites were chosen as the only people who could do that priestly work. That was their job of that tribe. So he had some priests, but where was anybody from the tribe of Levi? Now, I looked all over and I researched to try to figure out where are they? Why didn't they come? Um, apparently, uh, as you can tell, Ezra was disappointed they didn't even show up. You know, you try to get, you say, come on, guys, we're going to go back, or come on, church, let's go do this thing. And all these people show up, and you're like, but where's all this group? How come they're not here? You just kind of wonder why they didn't show up. Is this not, does this not mean anything to you? You know, he was wondering, uh, sons of Levi, does this, is this not of importance to you at all? So they didn't show up, even though some priests were there. So they still had a ministerial job, even if though they weren't specifically a priest performing sacrifices in the temple. So I, what I'm going to go into is speculation. It's educated speculation. I'm trying to draw some lines of maybe why they didn't show up. Bottom line is they just didn't care to come. You know, I've got a lot of friends. They don't care to show up for church. They don't care to pray to the Lord. They, you're calling yourself a Christian and you don't care to show up. It's like you're, you're a Levite. You call yourself an Israelite and we're going back and you don't even show up. Uh, I'm just trying to get in the mindset of how Ezra probably felt here. First off, I speculate that uh, compared to the priests, well, I'm not a Levite priest. I'm just a Levite. Maybe they felt their, their service was not important. I, I, I don't really matter. Why do I need to go? Who's going to miss me? You ever felt like that? Like we're not doing the sacrifice work. So why even bother? They're probably they're thinking everything in Jerusalem is all destroyed, messed up anyway. Over here, they call it captivity, but over here, I think we got it better than back home in Jerusalem. So why even go back? I'm putting that as a possibility. Well, Ray, I don't see that in the scripture. I know everybody's going to hit me with that. I am not saying it's in the book. I'm saying I'm just trying to wonder about possibilities, why they didn't show up. That's all I'm saying, okay? Another possibility is that Levites had no inheritance in the land. Every tribe got an inheritance of land, but the Levites got no inheritance in the land. So maybe they felt like there's not much to gain in going back. You know, we're captives here, but at least I got some land I can sit on. But if I go back to Israel, go back to Jerusalem, I'm going to lose all what I got right here. You know, I know a lot of people, you call them to Christ, say, come on to the the Lord. And they're like, yeah, but I'm going to lose everything I've got going now. And they're not thinking of the great blessing that God has ahead of them. Well, you know, I'd have to give up my party life. I'd have to give up my 
you know, the way I, you know, I hang with the guys at work and sometimes we cuss and that's just how we talk and hang out. I'll have to lose all that if I, if I come to Jesus, you know. So they're thinking oh, we're going to lose what we have is we don't have any inheritance back home. And I want to show you that in Deuteronomy 18 and 1. It says the priest and the Levites, all the tribe of Levi, they shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he said to them. Okay, so the Levites, they didn't get a land inheritance. And like, you know, they didn't get it like all the other tribes got. So God was their unique inheritance. Friends, you know, I'm trying to see things from that perspective in this world that I may lose my job, I may lose my money, my car, my house, whatever, but that's okay. The Lord Jesus is my inheritance. I get him. If I lose everything else in this life, I get the Lord. So that's where the way the Levites were to be holy, even among the holy people. They were to be set apart, even among the set apart, that they didn't get an inheritance. The Lord God was their inheritance. God was to be their own unique inheritance. And so their job was to stay focused solely on ministry work, on temple work, helping the priests if they weren't a priest already, doing the sacrifice work. They were not supposed to be involved in all these other things like the other tribes. They weren't supposed to get caught up in, in, in work and business. Their job was to be ministers of the law. That's why God said, no inheritance for you. You'll get your inheritance for me. I'll pay you back better than you ever thought. But while you're on earth, your job is to be ministers. That's what you got to do. And I'm just thinking that some of, many of the sons of Levi, they just didn't care. They just didn't want it. And they didn't show up. We're not going. And Ezra's obviously disappointed because he made a special mention. I looked for the sons of Levi. I didn't find any. And he's not happy about it. So the, the Levites that didn't come, or the, the Levites in, living in the land, if they didn't get an inheritance, how would they make their income? Well, their income and their food supply came through the offerings that were given by other tribes. That's how they made their living. What the others gave, giving to the Lord, that's how they made their living. Friends, ministers make their living off your giving. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I'm not asking for a raise. If you put in 10 times as much in the blue box, I don't make another cent, okay? I'm not pushing you to that. I'm just trying to show you the mindset that they had is, look, we're not going to get anything over there. Why don't we just stay where we're at? I can make better here rather than going and serving the Lord. I'm sure they didn't word it that way, but that's what was going on in their mind. It's very selfish. And so they were supposed to be dedicated just to ministry work. And the giving of the other tribes was to sustain their living. It's kind of like the same principle that we saw in Acts verse six, uh, chapter 6, the disciples, they decided it wasn't right for th- themselves to neglect the teaching of God's word to do all these other work. Remember, they were serving tables and like, we're, we're losing out on the teaching of the word for table serving. We need to change that priority. So they set themselves apart for the study of God's word, and they appointed others to do that other work. So this is kind of why the Levites, they did not get an inheritance because they were to remain focused on ministry. God focus. That's their job. That's what they were there to do. God was to be the one focus that they had, and he was also going to therefore be the source of their provision, and he was the significance of their calling. And I think these sons of Levi just kind of lost that calling and thought, I don't care to go back. I just don't care. 
You see people fall away and they're done. I don't need this God thing anymore. I'm doing fine like I am. I've seen it. It pains me to see it, but it even happened here. So they got their inheritance from God. That meant that included uh, cities to live in. God said, I'll appoint you a certain place that you can live. You don't get your own land, but I'll give you a place to live. You'll get daily food from the giving. And the nice thing about being a Levite, though, is you always had a constant job. You, you never had to go find other work. Well, see, the cattle business ain't working out. I better go find something else. Hay isn't working out too well. Grain isn't growing very well. You always had a job. That was kind of nice. I've always got my temple job. That was an advantage to that. But their inheritance did not include the same type of land inheritance that the other tribes got. So we don't know the exact specific reason why they didn't show up because it doesn't say why they didn't show up. I know Ezra wasn't happy about it, but whatever the reason was, it obviously wasn't a very good reason. And I'm using what biblical knowledge I've got to explain the possibilities why they did not show up. Bottom line is they were supposed to show up. They didn't. They had their own selfish reason why they did not. They're going to miss out on a lot of great opportunity. So we're left to speculate that maybe, maybe the Levites were accustomed to living in captivity. Maybe they thought it was better to stay where they were rather than go back where they would get no land at all. Why do I want to go back to a place where I have no inheritance when I've got something here? It's not much, but it's something. Well, they're not thinking, wait a minute, what about the blessings of God? They didn't think about that. They decided to stay back. Whatever their excuse was, I think we can safely reason, even if I missed all the points. Maybe my my assumptions and guesses were completely wrong. I can say this much. They were more focused on themselves than they were on God. And that's why they did not show up, whatever the reason. Ezra 8, verse 16. Then I sent for Eliezer, Ariel. This is the most you're going to get out of me today, guys. I sent for Eliezer. I just said that two different ways, didn't I? I don't care. Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jerib, Elnathan, Nathan, Nathan, Elnathan, Nathan, Elnathan. How many Nathans of Nathan's versions of Nathan do we have? Zechariah and Moshalem, leaders, also for Joriab, and here's another Elnathan, men of understanding. And I gave them a command for Edo, the chief man at the place of Casiphia, and I told them what they should say to Edo and his brethren, the Nethanim, at the place of Casiphia, that they should bring us servants for the house of our God. Okay, despite all those names that I tripped up on and totally bombed, he says, all right, we don't have any sons of Levi. We're going to find sons of Levi. We're going to find somebody that can do this. So since the Levites didn't show up, Ezra told these particular guys, I want you to go to this guy named Edo, and I want you to ask. Now, apparently, for whatever reason, this was a very delicate thing to ask. It took some skill in how to ask this, because Ezra gave them specific instructions on what to say and how to say it. We need Levites. We don't have any. I know you know of some. We need some. But here's how you need to say it. you got to be careful, okay? Apparently, Ezra felt he needed to put some weight behind the message. So why was this such a delicate situation? I don't know. Perhaps um, any Levites were probably being used in the locations that they were already in. Maybe this guy, Edo, already had jobs for them. No, no our guys are busy. We can't let them go. We, we, it's like, but wait a minute. This is Jerusalem. 
This is the temple. We need them here. And I think Edo would go, oh, okay, I understand. So it was a very delicate way it was put. It's not like you can just go steal anybody's Levites away from them when they already had jobs. So I think Ezra wanted to put it firmly but delicately. Hey, the Levites Levites should have come, but they didn't or they wouldn't come with us. I don't want to point any fingers and incriminate anybody, but we have a situation here. (laughs) You see how careful he's trying to be with it. I don't want to make any Levites mad, but we need some Levites here. You need to give some up. So getting the temple of God rebuilt again and the sacrifices need to get back in practice uh, practice again, that was very critical towards the Israelites getting back in their good fellowship with God again. That had to be enacted for God to walk with his people again. So this would then bring a blessing of restoration back on all the people as a nation. So yes, this is a critical situation for sure. Okay, Ezra is... I look at Ezra as the get-it-done kind of guy. We need some Levites. Y'all go get me some, but please be careful how you say it. (laughs) Okay. So we got work to do. And I guess if Ezra's thinking, you know, if the sons of Levi, we asked, if they won't come, we're going to go without them, but we can't go without somebody. We have to have some Levites. You can't ask any tribe to do it, or that would be in violation of the law. Now, what's too bad about this, and it's kind of saddening when I think about it, is that the Levites that didn't show up, they're going to miss out on tons and tons of good blessing that they could have had, but now they're not going to get it because now their portion of blessing is going to be handed off to somebody else that would go. Ezra 8 and 18, then by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding, the sons of Meli, the son of Levi the son of Israel, namely Sherebiah, with his sons and brothers, 18 men, and Hashabiah, and with him Jesheah, the sons of Merari, or Merari, whatever, his brothers and their sons, 20 men, also of the Nethanim, and I think that's proper. How to, I think when you put em on the end of something, that means plural. Uh, so it's a plural of people, also of the Nethanim, that's a, a bunch of people, whom David and the leaders had appointed for the service of the Levites 220 Nethanim. All of them were designated by name. Okay, so Ezra, he was able to finally get some people. He got about 38 Levites from two different families, as well as about maybe 220 or so Nethanim. Now, what is Nethanim? That means, Nethanim means given ones or those set apart. Now, the Nethanim, they were a group of servants. They were assigned to help the Levites in the service of the temple. They weren't Levites themselves, but they had been given a special place to assist in some of the temple work. They, they were not permitted to do Levite work only. They couldn't do the Levites' job, so we're not cutting into breaking any of the law, but they could do other uh, helpful things such as maybe cutting wood and carrying water because you needed wood to burn sacrifice. Okay, we'll go get the, we'll cut the wood down. We'll bring it, we'll chop it into blocks and, and all the water that they needed for the sacrifice work. We can go get the water. They're not doing the sacrifice work, but they could help the Levites. So he got that, that much. Now you'll find that most translations of the Bible, they refer to this group of Nethanim as temple servants. So if you see temple servants in the Bible, that could be the Nethanim, these people that we're talking about here. So now Ezra got the men he needed. 
Now he can start the journey journey back to Jerusalem, but he was not going to go back unprepared. He was not going to cut corners and go, oh, well, we didn't get enough Levites. Let's just go. That's doing a job cutting corners. That's doing a job not right. You don't want to do jobs like that wrong. Now they can go back. Now they got Levites. They can teach the law. They got people to help them. They've got others to help serve in the temple. So if they couldn't get this much of a force in the first place, then there's no point in going back. Now, going back and preaching the word to the people being restored back to the land, this was Ezra's very mission. This was his one job. You know how they say you had one job to do? (laughs) That's his one job, is to teach the people. And he's going to do it right. He's not going to cut any corners. So he's going to get the temple back in service and teach the people again. Ezra 8 and 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him. But his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Okay, I love this. Ezra did right here. Before he even started, before he even took off, he is, well, we don't have enough Levites. Let's just go. We'll figure it out later. No. He's like, no, we're going to figure it out now. We're going to get things together right up front. And before he started, the first thing that he had everybody do So we're going to ask the Lord God how to do this. Friend, when you're confronted with a problem and you don't know how to deal with it, if you don't ask God how to deal with it, you're in trouble already. Before you ever start, ask the Lord God, Lord, how do you want me to deal with this? We love our experience. We love our vast wisdom that we think we have. And we always go into, well, I got to do this. And we start figuring things out. We start untangling knots and doing this and the other. And next thing you know, you made twice as big a knot as it was before. Because you didn't ask God. You know, when I have a headache, I ask God before I go to the medicine cabinet. I really do. Sometimes my headache's gone before I even get there. Just ask God first. So he had everybody fast and pray. We're going to ask God for this. This has to be done right. God focus. Don't cut any corners. If you do it wrong the first time, it's going to cause more damage to fix it. This is too big. They've been in captivity a long time. We can't mess this up. 70 years plus a few decades of captivity had passed by, all right? The people had been out of proper fellowship with their God, and so Ezra's mission was important. Failing at this point would cause catastrophic damage. You know, when ships in the old day, when they, before they had GPS, when they set off to sail, they would plot the course very carefully on the map. If they were one degree off when they started, then by the time you get where you're going, you could be hundreds of miles away from your destination. So you had to be careful from the get-go. So he's being very careful up front because failing now would mean that all the nation of Israel could fall right back into captivity all over again if they didn't get it right. Friends, at some point in our lives, we have got to draw a line in the sand and say, I am going to, from this point on, get right with God because I am tired of captivity. And that's pretty much where they are, okay? So they needed a successful journey back home. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.